Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is Don't Deny the Truth. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hi, everyone. This is Roland, and today I want to talk about reality. Reality is what you need. Now, reality is not only the way things really are and what's really going on, but reality also includes God because he is the creator of all and he is the sustainer of all. And any discussion of reality must include that which made it and sustains it. What does it say in the Bible? It said that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's ever-present. He's ever there. And so to be truly aware of reality. You know, when we think of reality, we think of like doing a reality check. You know how some people are going around in sort of a a dream state, or they have some ideas that are just not true. And finally, somebody says, wait a minute, you know, like at a company where they, they have some product thing, and it's just not a good idea. And it's just clear that it's not a good idea, but nobody wants to say it. So much time and money has been invested in it, and the bosses seem to be invested in it. And finally, somebody says, this is not working. Well, that's a reality check. And we have to do reality checks all the time in our life now. What happens to most people is they get involved in some kind of a daydream. You know, have you heard of this, uh, what do they call it? At, at Disneyland, they have certain, I don't know the names of them, Frontier World or jungle where I don't know what they have, but you, you enter into that environment and it's like you're, you're actually, you know, in a real frontier setting, but it's just uh, made up. Well, people walk around in some kind of a, you see this happen in families, you see it in corporations, you see it, now you see it with the whole country, with the whole world. There's some alternative reality that's made and everybody supports it and everybody goes along with it, and everybody does their little part in sustaining it, and nobody stands up and said, wait, this is not true. Nobody stands up and says, this is a lie. And if that person stands up, you know, they're looked at like they're a terrible person because it bursts the balloon. It ruins the illusion. And this is also a hypnotic thing. I could talk about that. But you see it in families. Nobody can talk about dad's anger problem. Nobody can talk about mom's drinking problem or mom's pill problem. You just can't talk about it. And at the family gatherings, you have to, everybody has to pretend that everything's fine and everybody's happy and nobody can talk about it. And if anybody does talk about it, they are looked at like there's like they're a terrible person. It's a fantasy that when that fantasy is sustained and people go along with that fantasy and participate in it, then it's like a hypnotic state in which anything that doesn't agree with that fantasy is pushed aside and disregarded. 
and it creates an alternative reality. But eventually, what happens to these alternative realities? They burst. You saw it with the stock market. Then there was a the big crash, remember, in 29? People were living it up. Remember the roaring 20s? Everybody was living it up and everything was going to be great. And then there was a great crash. So you have to watch out for these. Whenever you see something that everybody is buying into, that everybody's going along with, see, then you, you got to know there's something wrong with it. And when you see something where, and that can be a very dangerous situation because it's totally removed from reality. So now let's get back to reality again. That's the wake-up call. The morning after the night before, or you're going out with some guy, and people try to tell you that he's no good. You don't believe it. You don't want to believe what they say because you want the fantasy. But then all of a sudden you discover he's got some other lady's picture, her picture's on his phone, and all of a sudden you realize that you're a fool, that he is no good that he's a liar. That's the big wake-up call, all right? And you have to accept some reality. And it's painful. But you know what? If you lived in reality, then it wouldn't be painful. You would simply live in reality and see the way things are, and then you would act accordingly with common sense and basic wisdom and you would see what's coming and you could prepare for it and it would just be just be really nice wouldn't it so there you have it i want you to see just how important reality is say again what I began to say. So you say, how can people accept these counterfeit realities and so on and so forth? Well, part of the reason is that we have a propensity to do so. How can a whole nation be deluded? You saw it with Nazi Germany, didn't you? How can that happen? How can people go along with some really goofy idea, whether it's in politics, whether it's in medicine? whether it's uh, a cultural notion, whether it's in religion, people can go along with some really goofy idea. And you wonder, how can they do that? Well, it's because human beings have an inclination. We inherit it. We have an inclination to shy away from reality. Why? Because that was the original, look, the original sin in the Garden of Eden was what? To become separated from, so what happened with the original sin? Adam had it, well, first of all, look, the devil gave him ideas, and Adam liked those ideas, and so he wanted to make this little world, this little false reality that where he could be king and great and fantastic and, you know, do everything on his own, and people would respect him and admire him. And he would 
be glorified and receive awards, and, and he would be successful in everything. That's what he wanted. So the devil appealed to that. And so what resulted from the sin then? A separation from God to be a God. A separation from God to be a God. And today, all human beings are born into that type of a nature. And we want to play God, and we want people to admire us and worship us and think well of us and be famous and be on the stage and everybody's clapping and all that kind of stuff. And so, therefore, we avoid God. Because how can you be a God if you are aware of the real God? So, wanting to avoid the real God, we don't. you see, you don't even realize that you're doing it. But unconsciously, that's what you're doing. So, when you're avoiding the real God, then you end up in a state of mind, a state of consciousness, where you accept some alternative reality. Or you, you try to build your own alternative reality, but it ends up being a living hell, because by avoiding God... See, you not only avoid his sustaining wisdom and love and the good things that would come from him, so you end up impoverished, don't you? But not only that, but you have a state of mind, a state of consciousness where since you want to build another alternative reality that glorifies yourself, you hunt and peck and look for things that will help you to do that, and then you fall under the influence of people who promise you, oh, you'll be great, you'll be successful if you do this, if you get this education, if you get this degree, if you spend this money, if you buy these beauty products, if you make this investment, oh, you'll be safe. If you, you know, take this experimental thing, oh, you know, it'll be wonderful if you buy this or wear that. See? So the snakes in the grass are everywhere. And it's easy for them to appeal to your desire. And then when things start to go wrong, then they promise to help you, to restore you to your previous dignity and health and everything. And then they, you're misled again. So you go from bad to worse. So the answer is to find reality. Come back to the state of consciousness that you had before your first fall. When you were a little child, you fell. Who was it that made you doubt yourself? Who was it that made you doubt God? And who made you doubt justice? Who made you doubt that, that good triumphs over evil? How did it come to pass that you started to basically think evil triumphs over good? Well, and whatever it was, it was a big shock to your system. And you lost awareness and you fell away from reality, and then you wanted an alternative world where you, where everything could be wonderful. So yeah, when we're little kids, when we're little kids, yeah, we're not ready to accept the reality that people have made. See, by falling away from the good reality that includes God, people ended up creating a hell. See, they ended up creating a Rwanda or a North Korea, something awful. So little kids, of course, they live in their imagination. It's perfectly natural. 
Little kids are not ready for reality yet. But when you become an adult, you don't want to keep living in your imagination. Because when you're down in your imagination and separated from God and separated from reality, you can accept anything there as being true, even when it's not true, and be totally misled. So you have to come back to reality. So that's what I try to do here. See, I'm talking a little bit of simple, basic psychology here, but I want you to see just how important it is that you come back to reality and to the God of reality. And if you went all the way to be close to God and to follow Him, then your reality would eventually become a paradise. A paradise on earth? That's right. That's what it would become. If collectively people turn to God, didn't, doesn't he say that in the Old Testament? Didn't God say that if you will turn from your ways and come back to me? I forget the wording. It's very beautiful. Then I will heal the land and restore you. And it would just be beautiful. It was just beautiful. You'd have paradise, paradise refound. But paradise refound requires God and allegiance to God. And it's a beautiful thing. So I think I've said what I need to say. It's food for thought for you to ponder. So now when you go out in the world, always be ready to admit the truth. Whatever the truth is, and no matter who says it, or if you realize truth within, just realize it. See it. Don't deny it. See, admit the truth. Yeah, your shoelace is untied. Just see that your shoelace is untied and then tie it. Okay, maybe it's a little embarrassing, but don't resent it. Say thank you. And when you see that you're wrong, then just quietly admit it in your heart. As we're near the end of our time together, I invite you to visit the many resources available at our website, SheddingShackles.com, SheddingShackles.net, or SheddingShackles.us. You can listen to past programs, read more about Roland's meditation, or watch Roland's video lectures. Listen in again next week on the same time and the same station. Thanks for listening. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome back. I'd like to start with a question. Jeremiah, you got anything for me? Yes, a question came in from California. A listener wants to know, who sinned first, Adam or Eve? All right, who sinned first? Adam or Eve? Well, you know what? They both sinned, but it was basically his fault. Look, if I had to say, I would say Adam sinned first. Why? Because Eve just repeated what she had heard. She heard some talk about eating the food and and that it could make them really smart and well-educated and successful. And so she went to Adam. And she told him what she heard. And 
that's actually what she she was supposed to do. She went to Adam and she told him. See, she could have kept it secret and tried to manipulate everything, but no, she told him. So actually, that's not so bad. Her sin comes later. So she went to Adam and she said, hey, this is what I heard. She heard she heard something from somebody else. And she brought it home and she told Adam. Now, Adam could have said, no, we mustn't eat of that fruit because father said we're not supposed to. And she would have held out the apple and he would have said, no, we mustn't put the apple down. Father said we're not supposed to. Then it would have been over. See? But he failed her. In fact, he kind of liked those ideas. He was kind of ambitious underneath. And lo and behold, you know the rest of the story. They fell. Everything changed for the worse. And instead of paradise, they had hell on earth. Now, if Adam had had love, if he had loved God, and if he had loved Eve, but you know what? He didn't know what he was getting into. He had no idea. How many people, they think, well, I'll just take this little pill. I'll take this little pain pill, or, oh, I'll just smoke this little marijuana. It seems so harmless. They have no idea what they're getting into, or maybe they sort of do, but they doubt it. See, God said, if you eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you're going to know yourself as God, but you're going to be separated from me, and you're going to die. But they doubted it, see? So all around you, you see people getting messed up with drugs and all that kind of stuff. But, well, maybe I'll just take this one, you think? See? So it's the same old story. So what is the problem? With Adam and Eve, Adam didn't have love. But here comes Eve's mess up. She resented Adam. He messed up. There's no question about it. He failed her. It was his job. See, he's supposed to be the Moses of the family, the George Washington of the family. The, he's supposed to be the one with wisdom and understanding and love, and he failed her. And so she resented him for that. So ever since then, the woman dreams of meeting the man who will save her from her darkness. The man who will save her from her miserable family, where mom and dad are fighting. Her dad wasn't there for her. And she meets a guy, and she thinks he's maybe he's the one. And he does have some good qualities. And she thinks, well, you know, he does have some faults too, but I can fix that. I'll make him better when he's married to me. I'll whip him into shape. And they get married, or they become partners. And then... The guy, look what happens to him. Well, for him, it's like hog heaven. He's getting all all, this, all that he wants. He's getting all kinds of uh, food, and she's being so nice to him, and it puffs up his ego. His ego is puffed up, and when that happens, he becomes more beastly. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve fell, and they fell to a lower level, a more animal level. And sure enough, the more she does for him, the more beastly he becomes, the more animal he becomes, the more selfish and spoiled he becomes. And soon he might even think he's too good for her and then go off with some other woman. But on the other hand, 
she resents him. She, the more she does for him, the worse he gets, and she resents that. And so she tries harder. She thinks, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not trying hard. I'm not doing well enough. She, she tries harder and harder, and, and the harder she tries, the worse he gets. And not only that, but he begins to resent her. He feels like she owns him. And she begins taking over, taking charge of some things that he thinks are, you know, his bailiwick. And then underneath, pretty soon you have seething resentment and arguing. And meanwhile, the kids suffer. The kids always suffer. All right? So the answer is what? The answer is love. When she comes with her... See, but now, let's say they're both decent, which is usually the case. He's a decent guy. She's a decent gal. All right. Well, if he could begin to use her less and see her as a person not an object of use. And if he could take the responsibility on his own shoulders and realize that he's missing something. She needs something from him, see? She always thinks, well, she tells him, well, you got to mow the grass more, you, you got to make more money, you got to spend more time at home, you got to take the kids here and there more, you got to dress nicer, you got to get more education, you got to get a promotion. She's always thinking that something, we got to get a bigger house, a better car, see? But it's only a compensation for what's lacking. What is lacking is that he is missing something that she needs. And what does she need? She needs him to have love, a fatherly love, an agape love. And yes, a corrective love. So when she comes with her resentment toward him and gives him a hard time, he doesn't resent her. See? When she does something naughty, or she is notional, or she listens more to her friends than to what he says, he doesn't hate her. He has wisdom, he has understanding, he has patience, he has long-suffering, he has love. And where does that love come from? It comes from God. So Adam sinned and became separated from God. But you, gentlemen, were born separated from God. So you didn't make the original choice, so you still have a choice. And your choice will come when your family suffering, your kids suffering, your wife suffering, makes you cry out to your Creator and say, what am I missing? She needs something, my kids need something and I don't have it. And you cry out to your Creator, and He answers. And when you find a bond with your Creator, then the love will come through you. It's not your love. It's His love, the patience, the understanding, because you have love from Him. You understand? When you're patient with other people, then you can also be patient with yourself. Do you understand? So don't resent your wife. That's the first thing. Don't resent her. Be there for her. And if she's angry at you, she probably has good reason to be angry. Now you understand why. Yeah, maybe you did this and that, but it's deeper than that. See, just bringing her flowers or bringing her candy or taking her on vacation, that's not the answer. The answer is you've got to find something inside that you don't have right now, and it comes from God. So you have to find a relationship with your Creator, and then 
you can take her hand and lead her to paradise. And ladies, don't resent your husband if he's a decent guy. And most guys are decent. Of course, if, if he's an angry, violent drug user or something, then you're better off without him. I'm not talking about that kind of a guy. I'm talking about most guys are decent. And so if your husband is decent, don't resent him. And watch out for judgment. Men are so easy to judge. Sometimes they're kind of dumb. They're kind of like kids. They kind of are selfish. They're so easy to judge and to feel superior to him. Watch out for that because when you judge him and puff up like a cobra and feel superior, then the dark side becomes more active in you. See? And it torments him and it also torments you. So you have to let go of the judgment. Watch for it and let it pass. Watch for the resentment. Let it pass. You understand? All right. Now I was planning to read from my book. I've written a couple of books about, uh, actually three, actually four. The one I recommend is The Myths and Mysteries of Marriage. It is a page turner. If you like what you just heard, you got to get this book, The Myths and Mysteries of Marriage. You're very, very hard to find anything this good anywhere. And I also have another book called Putting the Forever Back in Love. They're both good. They're on Amazon. Just go to Amazon. You'll find them. But now you understand. You men, love your wives. Don't resent her. And you wives, don't judge your husband. Okay. If he, look, if he messes up a little bit, then see that he messed up. But don't resent him for it. Don't hate him for it. Don't judge him for it. You see, take the pinch of resentment out of it. Take the pinch of judgment out of it. See? And don't try to change him. See, you're playing God. A lot of women want to replace God with themselves. They want worship from their husband. They want worship from their kids. And yeah, if you manage to do that, then what does that mean? It means that he's separated from God. It's not good. Now, ultimately, he has to find himself. You cannot make a man into a man. He has to become a man himself. If he doesn't, if he never finds himself, then don't, don't hate him. Don't resent him. Okay? But if he does, it's beautiful. Okay? And make sure you're not giving him too hard of a time. If you're always giving him a hard time, it's very hard for him to find himself. Okay? My name is Rowan. Until next time, Lord willing, and the Greek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.